Hey, welcome into the Stinky Truth Podcast. Alongside Mike Evans, I'm Mark Schlereth, Millennial Ben, producing the show. Want to thank our presenting sponsor, great folks over at uh, Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner, bet with Bet Rivers. Download the app, check them out at betrivers.com. Also, stinkinggood.com for all your queso and green chili needs. Check us out, stinkinggood.com. Mike, how are you, my friend? I am doing well and good uh, good to to be back. We got games to talk about. Uh, You always like to say, That preseason games don't count, but they matter. Yeah, they do matter. Okay, so how much does it matter that we watch Dallas get punked by the Broncos in a joint practice and then go out in a preseason game a couple nights later and commit 17 penalties? Right, right. So, one, they led the league in penalties last year, Dallas Cowboys. So, you know, one of the things about penalties and turnovers – and we talk a lot about, and I've talked to a lot of coaches about this, is uh, is that's a direct reflection, if you will, on coaching. And I know a lot of people will say, well, how is that a direct reflect, a reflection on coaching? Like turnovers. How does turnovers? Well, you're either emphasizing it or you're not. You're either, you're either saying, hey, being loose with the ball is okay, or it's not. It's, there's either some type of correction um, some type of kind of quote-unquote punishment, or there's not. You know, you're either telling your quarterback to throw in a team meeting or you're not. Um, and and so I understand that the occasionally turnovers are going to happen, but that's something that's got to be, like that's something that's got to be preached. Remember when Tiki Barber couldn't hold on to the ball and Tom Coughlin got all irate and then three points of contact and made him carry the ball around and all that kind of – and all of a sudden, you know, that emphasis on that, all of a sudden that fumbling issue was over, right? That's a coaching issue. Now, in regards to penalties, like pre-snap penalties, you, you line up in an illegal formation, you jump offside. Like those are penalties of of let's call it laziness, lack of preparation, stupid. Like what? However you want to, however you want to say it. But there was a concern, and and this goes back to the coaching aspect of it. The concern with me is you and I went to the joint practice. We watched the joint practice. And there was no question, it was universal coming out of that joint practice that the Broncos essentially set the tone in that practice between the Broncos and the Dallas Cowboys. They set the tone. So you would think after setting the tone, that coaching staff would rip their butts and say, man, this is unacceptable. We, got, we came in here and we got punked. So what are we going to do, Mike? Well, come Saturday when we kick this ball off, there's a new sheriff in town, and that's going to be unacceptable. Here's what happens, in, in my estimation, when you are constantly being flagged. When you're constantly ble- being flagged, and these are post, these are like during the play, not pre-snap penalties, but during the pay, play or post-snap penalties. When you're getting flagged, a bunch of holding calls and everything, when you're a half step behind, and, and trust me, I've spent most of my life a half step behind. Like, I know what that feels like. You are forced to make a decision as a player. Um, And I'll take it from my perspective as an offensive lineman. So all of a sudden I'm edged. I'm a half step behind. I'm late, right? I get get caught up in a a game, and here comes a defensive end looping around, and he's going to beat me. I know he's going to beat me. I'm out of position. What do I do? I reach out and grab that. I've, I've reached out. I remember Trace Armstrong, Trace, forgive me, Playing for the Miami Dolphins, man, I get caught up in a in a down down like a tackle tackle end loop stunt, 
and I get pinched in there and the and the defensive end or the defensive tackle kind of does a rip move and he's got my arm and I'm 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 just pinned. I'm pinned inside. I can't get off. Here comes Trace flying around, hundred miles an hour. He's gonna hit my quarterback. What I do? I grabbed his face mask and I drug his ass to the ground. Boom. He was pissed. I mean, I'm getting peppered with flags. <laughs> like, I got six flags hitting me. I'm like, hey, ease up. Ease up. Like, I know what I did, right? But I had to make a decision. I'm out of position. I'm a half step behind. I go, am I going to let my quarterback get hit? Or am I going to take a flag? And, and for me, it's an easy decision. I'm going to take a flag. But when you're consistently a half step behind, you know what that means? That means the other team is playing faster than you. And if the other team is playing faster than you, you know what that means? Your coaching staff hasn't gotten you ready to play at the proper speed that it takes to play. And there's no question, when you get flagged 17 times, the amount of holding calls, illegal contact calls, you know, pass interference calls, all that stuff to me is I, I'm getting outplayed. One team is playing one team is playing at, at tempo A, and the other team is playing down at tempo D, right? And tempo D, you're not good enough. And so that's what I saw in that game. And, like, again, you're either coaching or you're allowing it to happen. You allowed it to happen in the practice, and there wasn't an adjustment in the game. And that's, that's concerning. Like, those are the type of things, like, hey, man, I, I, Mike McCarthy is a friend of mine. But Mike McCarthy is, is like, he's, you know what, he's ice fishing on the ice right now that says, do not walk on this ice, right? And he's like, ah, no, it'll hold me. It's fine. Like, you, you got to be careful. I haven't, I haven't looked it up, but I would, I would be safe in saying that right now, if Vegas had odds on first, first coach, coach to be fired, it'd be Mike McCarthy. Right. Plus, they have, the, they, they have a, a replacement, like, a ready-made. Right, ready to go. Yep. Right. And it's Dan like. Quinn. You know, it's like open package, add water. It's like yep. a cup of noodles yep. in Dan Quinn. Like yep. got a cup of noodles right there. Yep. I'll just call him cup of noodles. Cup of noodles. Dan, cup of noodles, Quinn. Dan, cup of noodles, Quinn. All you got to do is add boiling water, right? And he is ready to coach your team. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. If Vegas had odds, Bet Rivers, I'm sure they have odds at yeah. Bet Rivers. Oh, yeah. First coach to be fired. As somebody I once worked with in this business for a long time once said, Hey, in Vegas, you can get odds on two cockroaches crawling up the wall, see who gets to the top first. So uh, there you go. Hey, in Pittsburgh, there was already a love affair with Kenny Pickett, the hometown kid, and it grew. The legend of Kenny Pickett grew in uh, the first preseason game, 13 of 15 for 96 yards, two touchdowns, including the game-winning touchdown with three seconds left. How do you, how do you stop the momentum of Kenny Pickett, Pickett mania, starting – when you know the plan is to probably go with Mitch Trubisky, at least for a while, as right. the bridge guy in Pittsburgh. Well, there's nobody that's more popular than the backup quarterback. And let's can we just agree that even though Mason Rudolph played well, that Mason Rudolph is not in that mix? Okay, he's not in that mix. So Kenny Pickett, with his tiny little hands, is pushing right now. I mean, it... it not going to let that go, huh? You're just going to no, keep, keep the narrative going about the small hands, huh? Why wouldn't you? You know, you had the movie. He's what not. The, he's not the only quarterback to play in the league with small hands. I get that. I get that. But remember, he's... Joe Burrow said, "Pray for me and my small hands." Yeah, right. <laughs> I get that. Maybe small hands are the way to go. Maybe that's maybe the, the small hands are the new big hands, or big hands are the new small hands, or however that works. By the way, 
What was the movie with with Johnny Depp? Edward Scissorhands. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Kenny Pickett would not hands. want Edward Scissorhands to be my quarterback. No. Kenny Pickett hands. Yes. Talk about deflating footballs. Right. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. It's like uh, I was thinking Kenny Pickett hands is like Kim Carnes. He's got Kenny Pickett hands. <laughs> Right? Folks, Mark loves his 80 references, <laughs> loves his 80s music. You ever want to get Mark on a tangent, just start throwing, hey, Mark, I got an obscure 80s song for you. His hair is hollow gold. Do you know the title? <laughs> Do you know the artist? He Love will, actually. Sweet surprise. Uh, yeah, he was, I mean, listen, here's the deal with, with Mitch Trubisky, and people in Buffalo have said, hey, man, he was phenomenal. He's going to sign somewhere, and he's going to be great. Quarterback blah, blah. rehab. Got yeah, quarterback he went rehab. through a quarterback rehab and, and, you know, this, that, and the other. And I'm a big Mike Tomlin fan, and, and you know, he's getting he's got his confidence back, and nobody can win in Chicago, even though he won in Chicago and took him to the playoffs twice. Um, but, you know, that was all defense, and Matt Nagy doesn't know anything, and blah, 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 blah. You know, on and on the narrative goes. Um here, here's like here is my concern. Every time, and I only did a couple of Chicago games, but every time I met with Mitch Trubisky, I always came out of the meeting thinking to myself, "Who are you trying to convince? Like, who are you trying to convince of your confidence? Is it me or is it yourself? Like, which one?" And like, I I see a guy that doesn't throw the ball in my mind, from the pocket with great attitude and confidence. There's almost this 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 feeling of, or, or this perception from my perspective of watching film. And, you know, I watch a lot of film, and sometimes it's just a, a, a gut reaction. There doesn't be a lot, that doesn't ever feel like there's a lot of conviction. Like, man, I'm going to let this thing eat. I know exactly what I'm doing, and I'm going to let it eat. Now, when he's outside of the pocket and you've eliminated half the field and you have a clear vision and like there's very few guys that throw it on the run any better than than Mitch Trubisky does. He he does. That's when to me he's got conviction throwing the ball. But that to me is being a sight thrower. I see it, it's in front of my eyes. My receiver sees me, I see my receiver. You know, God bless the moon, God bless me. Let me just chuck it. Like you've got to have anticipatory skills. You've got to have confidence that the guy's coming out of his break. You've got to throw it before he comes out of that break. You've got to throw it, you know, over the top of uh, – you've got to you gotta layer a throw over the top of a linebacker in front of a safety. You've got to have – like, that's the kind of stuff you've got to win with in the pocket, and you damn well better be convicted, right? You, you damn well better be confident. You damn well better have some bravado about you in those situations, and – Frankly, Mike, I just I don't see it. Speaking of Mitch Trubisky's time in Buffalo, football rehab, good place to be, Buffalo. Right. The Bills are the Vegas favorites mm-hmm. to win the Super Bowl. Okay. Is it their time? Is this the year Buffalo busts through? And all the, the years of heartache, the four straight times to – uh, the Super Bowl and losing and the pain of losing last year to, to Kansas City and that, that epic game, 13 seconds, all that. Mm-hmm. Does all that get erased and Bill's Mafia celebrates? Are you buying the Bill's hype? I think the Bills are a damn good football team. Ooh, I hear a butt coming. 
and but or, or but caveat or a, a and but caveat. A but but I think they're a damn good football team, Mike. But I think there was a rapport, a belief, a uh, just a uh, trust. Trust is such an important factor in in everything we do. You know, trust is trust is the reverse. Um, like there's a reverse correlation between trust and weight. So go with me on this for a second, okay? Weight W E I G H T or Correct. weight W A I T W E I G H T. Okay, like your chubbiness okay. or lack thereof chubbiness. Thank you. Go ahead. Okay, so I know I was I wasn't pointing the finger at you. Sure. I just was having to look at you, and that's the first word that came to mind. Uh huh. Kind of look like a cherub sitting there. A cherub. Okay, yeah. that's actually one of the nicer right. things you've ever said to me. Okay, about me. So, um, weight is is really <laughs> really hard to lose. It's hard to lose weight, and it's easy to gain. It's just easy to gain. Trust is the absolute reverse of that. Trust is very very hard to gain, and you can lose it with one bad decision. And so for me, I look at the trust and the rapport. We built an offense under under the, the now head coach of the New York Giants, right? We built an offense together when Brian Dable was my coordinator. And there was a trust. There was a believability there. We built it together. We were on the same page. Now, all of a sudden, Brian Dable gets his opportunity to move on to the New York Giants to be the head coach, and Ken Dorsey takes over as the offense coordinator. That is, there will be a little bit of a work in progress, and you think it's just a smooth transition, and we just, you know, we just go down the road together, but, like, I'm not 100% sure how that works. Um, so, we'll see. I think they're a damn good football team, but, again, you lose a key component of what helped make you a damn good football team and being on that same page. Um, and I, I just will tell you, man, that was like a big brother, little brother relationship between between Josh Allen and Brian Dable. And but Dorsey had, has been there. Though. I understand that he's been there. But just understand that the, the, the bigger connection from what – Hey, listen, man. I just done a, a Buffalo game or two, and and you know, talked to Josh Allen and and talked at length to Brian Dable about how close their relationship is. And so, I'm just assuming, and and this is an assumption by me. But if you're that close with Brian Dable, you're like, you can't be that close with Brian Dable and that close with Ken. There's a different dynamic there. You may be close with him. But it's not that kind of intimate close you get when you really believe and trust and build something together. Um, and so I think that I think you have to understand, like if I looked at my own career, man, I'm really I'm really close. I was really close with Gary Kubiak, but Alex Gibbs and I were my offensive line coach. We were, you know, tighter than mouse nuts. I mean, so there was a there was just a different level of of relationship there um and so that's that's i guess what i'm saying so that would be my that would be my big concern um but yeah i 
I like them. I like them a lot. I like where they're at. Staying in the AFC East, you buying Tua and the Dolphins? Mm-hmm. They are they have certainly put a lot around him. They're giving him every chance to succeed. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, um, Raheem Mostert. Yeah. Um, they they got a good tight end in in, in Mike Gesicki. Um, yeah. Do you do you buy Tua being able to? Push all the right buttons, get the ball out to everybody, and 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 actually make the Dolphins a, a playoff team. Um, I'm gonna say no. No, you're not buying stock in Tua. No, if I if I would sell Tua, I mean, when I have to hear about how Tua is more accurate than uh, than Patrick Mahomes, and I get like everybody's got to jump on the bandwagon. That that feels a little bit forced to me. That feels like. Like, maybe we can just uh, speak it into existence. A lot of tire pumping going on there in Miami. Yeah. Pumping right. a lot of tires. <laughs> right, exactly. A lot of Tua tires being right. pumped. Right, Uh Yeah, he's like big O tires over there. <laughs> they we're, we're just going to keep pumping them up, and hopefully, you know, hopefully it'll, it'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, we talk about it enough. Eventually, it becomes true. I just don't that, – that I, I don't buy it. He had one of the worst completion percentages in, in balls over 20 yards in the league last year. So, um, again, they should be better running the ball under the system of Mike McDaniels. Um, but I, I just – there's something there's something about him right now for me that says buyer be – I hope I'm wrong, but there's just a buyer beware for, for me with when it comes to Tua. I, I don't know. How do you feel? Like – if it's if it's just a matter of this is going to test the idea of the quarterback makes that the that the receiver plays a dependent position right. because what you're asking you're you're asking in Miami to kind of flip that model and you're trying to make the quarterback mm-hmm. be able to be so benefited by the people around him that he plays at a Pro Bowl type playoff level. Right. You're asking the playmaymakers. Around him, yeah, to make him, him. when you're used to, to watching him, exactly make them. Yeah, there's a there's a bit for me. There's a bit going into the season with the Miami Dolphins where you're like, you you're cautiously optimistic. Like I'm really optimistic about the potential of this football team, but at the same time, I understand that I'm going to buy some Imodium AD or some Pepto Bismol because I probably will get diarrhea watching them. Like, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like I'm gonna need to stop myself up because I just have this sense that you know that it, it quote unquote will hit the fan. Yeah, that's that's just my that's just my gut telling me, and I don't know. I just don't have I don't have a lot of faith, Mike. It's that's understandable. That okay. that is fair, and he's in in prove it to me mode. But he certainly has no excuses this year. He's got one of these. Whiz kid, offensive geniuses yeah. as his head coach, and mm-hmm. he's got a lot of talent around him. And so, does he? Does he make that jump? It's up to Tua. Uh, Trey Lance is going to get that chance now to burst on the scene. It, it, it's obvious uh, the 49ers have moved on from Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not even really around the team at all. Yeah. While they're going about their business, they're just waiting, hoping that that some team probably suffers a a. a injury at quarterback or they take a, a long hard look at what they got in house and decide it's not enough and and offer up a deal for Jimmy G otherwise they're going to release him before uh what the first week end of the first week is when contracts become 
guaranteed, and he's right. got twenty four million on it. So they're they're not going to eat that. So he'll be he'll be released before that. Um, Trey Lance, you've done a lot of forty nine er games. You're you're very familiar with the way that uh, Kyle Shanahan runs things. Do you do you see this team? This team is built to win, but will they be held back by the quarterback? Will they be held back by Trey Lance this year? Um, it, which is an interesting question because I think Trey Lance is one of those guys, Mike, that, um, you know, from a potential standpoint, um, his ability to throw the deep ball, you saw him throw a touchdown down the sideline the other day that was absolutely gorgeous from the pocket. Um, there's a lot of people, I was listening to Lewis Riddick, who I have a lot of respect for. Lewis was on the, you know, on the Mahomes bandwagon before Mahomes, you know, ever took a snap, um, and, you know, he's right about him. He's he's kind of on the same bandwagon in regards to Trey Lance. I can just tell you that, you know, I think there's going to be growth that, that has to happen from the pocket growth. Um, remember, this guy comes from a small school and didn't have a lot of, not a lot of reps, right? But I know what they were thinking in San Francisco. And what they were thinking when they went out and got Trey Lance and they moved up for him and gave up all that draft capital, Mike, was they're like, listen, with the way we run the ball in our kind of quote-unquote wide zone rush scheme, now all of a sudden you add a quarterback that gives you the read option, threat on the edge, all the play-action stuff that comes off of that. Like, we can groom him during the course of the season. Like, we can get him to a point right now, and we've got a couple of staple plays that, because of his athleticism, the defense has to play where we can get these one-read throws. So, I'll give you, for instance, when Kyle Shanahan was coordinating the Washington Redskins at the time with rookie RG3, they had a play in their playbook called X-Drift, and it was off of a, a fake run. So it was, you know, fake 14, fake 15 handoff X-Drift. And you can do Y-Drift, and you can do Z-Drift, and you can do whatever you want. But it was primarily all they ran was this X-Drift. So one receiver in the pattern, essentially. And a drift route, Mike, is about um, you start cutting. It's an outside receiver, runs up to about eight yards, and and bows in from the outside at about 12 yards. So it's just an in-cutting route. It's a drift route, they call it, right? And because you run the ball so well and you get in these heavy formations, you get a single high safety. And so what happens is you're getting outside, you get a single high safety in the middle of the field, so you're cutting away from the corner that's probably either in man or thirds. Like one of those two coverages is the only two things you can play out of a single high safety. And so you're throwing it in front of the safety. And you're you're faking the handoff on that side to hold that linebacker or hold that nickelback in that line of scrimmage. And it's a one-throw one read. RG3 had close to 3,000 yards passing when he run, won the Rookie of the Year. He and Pierre Garçon accounted for 1,200 of that 2,900 yards or whatever on that play. On that play. Now, it was 1,200 yards on that play, so it was PR Garcon was the primary X at the time, but whoever else 
But that one extra play provided extra, 1,200. Right. It's a one-read throw. And so the, the plan is we're going to expand our running. We've got the best running game in football. Now we're going to expand it. And the play action stuff that comes off of that. And I, I'm I'm telling you, this has been the plan since day one. Um, he wasn't ready last year. Uh, he was just a package quarterback, but and and not that he'll not that he'll have the complete complement of the the playbook, but they'll have enough early to grab him confidence. They'll run the ball. They'll they'll do all the things they do. Um, they'll create five or six explosives out of off the play action. Um, and they're going to win games. Bouncing around. Tale of two stud quarterbacks without their go-to wide receiver. In Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes adjusting to life without Tyreek Hill. Uh-huh. The very well-respected Peter King was at Chiefs camp and said, man, I'm sensing uh, a real chip on the Chiefs' shoulder. They're looking to go out and prove that there's life after Tyreek Hill. Andy Reid's talking about how he's uh, rejuvenated uh, after 10 years on the job. Meanwhile, in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers adjusting to life without Devontae Adams, saying he's not happy with his young receivers, that they need to pick it up and run better routes and right. pick their overall game up. Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. How do you feel? Which quarterback do you think will adjust to life easier without his go-to wide receiver, Aaron Rodgers or Mahomes? uh, Mahomes. I I just think Mahomes. I think they have more in Kansas City. I think the other thing thing is is when you have that type of dynamic weapon on your football team, you're always like, okay, we got to get, you know, we got to get him involved. We got to get him targets. We got to get him, you know, we got to get him throws. We got to get him catches. We got to get it. Like, I think that this ultimately makes Andy Reid take a step back and almost ultimately become a better coach. He's a, he's a Hall of Fame coach, but to say, okay, let's get everybody involved now. Like, let's get this thing done the right way. And that might even include, Mike, and we talked about this in the Super Bowl loss of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, just football hubris. You're averaging seven point whatever yards of carry, and you give your running back nine carries. Like, I think you get back to being a little bit more balanced football team and a little bit more kind of game plan centric football team calling plays to set up other plays as opposed to, Hey man, we got the most dynamic guy in football. Let's either run him deep, run the coverage off and throw it underneath the Travis Kelsey, or, you know, let's see if we can get him on a shallow cross and one-on-one at some point and, and, you know, make him go 50. So like, I think it, I think it probably bodes well for Kansas city. Plus I think they look at it like, Hey man, we're more than just a big play football team. And we're going to prove that. For Aaron, dude, like, I just I, I just think the Green Bay Packers, man, they're I think here's I think here's the problem. Even if those receivers mature and they start running better routes, there there are two guys to me that are the pinnacle of intelligence at the wide receiver position. Cooper Cup in Los Angeles and Devontae Adams now in in Vegas. Um, those are guys that come back and tell the quarterback, hey, dude, they were in this coverage. If we get this formation, we get this coverage again, I'm going to adjust this route. Call the same play. I'll adjust this route. This will be a touchdown throw. 
because this dude is playing me with this leverage or he's, he's trying to take this away. So we've already run it, man. I'm going to adjust the route. And, and I mean, I've talked to, I've talked to both Matthew Stafford about it and I've talked to Aaron Rodgers about it. How Devonte will come back to the huddle. How, how Cooper Cup will come back to the huddle and say, Hey man, this is what, this is the way they're playing me. Um, make sure in this third down, if we get that third down again, this is what I'm going to do. And, and then, Sure enough, you know, you'll get back into a situation. It'll be, it may be, you know, two, three series later, and you get into this situation, and you'll see, like Aaron looking over and Devontae giving him a, yep, or Cooper Cup looking over and Matthew Stafford giving him the, okay, I'm on. And all of a sudden, I mean, look what happened in the Super Bowl with mm-hmm. Cooper Cup, right? I mean, they were, once they lost um, Odell Beckham Jr., like they went, they went completely stagnant on the offensive side of the ball, and all of a sudden they were like, "Hey, man, it's a Yarble cutting time. We got to go win this game." And it was Cooper Cup, and that's Devontae Adams as well. So I think the I think ultimately Kansas City will fare uh, with the loss of their big time wide receiver better than Green Bay will. That would be my take. Anyhow, for all of us involved uh, on the Singing Truth podcast, for Mike, myself, for Millennial Ben, we thank you so much for being a part of it, um, and we'll be back with you again next week.